Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Ladyboy Gigi, and tonight's episode is on breaking sexual taboo. Before I get into the topic, I would like to recommend a book that is very close to this topic. The book's title is Anal Pleasure and Health, A Guide for Men and Women by Jack Morin, Ph.D. What is a taboo? How do taboos affect us in our daily lives? What impact do taboos have on human development? Jack Morin defines taboo as a form of psychosocial control more potent than even the most rigid moral code. A taboo is a prohibition collectively shared by a society with a force so strong that it is rarely questioned or even discussed. It just is. We have many taboos, myths, and social conditioning in our culture. Some of them are subtle. We do not realize how much they inhibit our sexual freedom. Many are based on moral codes that no longer apply in modern society. There is a power in breaking taboo. Through the process, one can empower oneself become sexually liberated, and broaden one's horizons 
and the freedom of sexual expression. Through the process of breaking taboo, one can discover freedom in gender expression, gender identity, sexual orientation, BDSM, and many other areas. There are several steps involved in breaking a taboo. The steps that I find helpful are as follows. Name the taboo. Giving the taboo a name also gives it substance. It ceases to be something vague and ambiguous. Research and learn factual information about the taboo. Discuss the taboo and question the taboo with trusted friends or lovers. Become familiar with the taboo and get to know the object of the taboo. For example, if you have an anal taboo, get to know your anus through touch, looking at it in the mirror, and also give your anus a name. Reclaim your right to have mastery over your own life. Engage in an activity which will serve to break the taboo. There's a power in facing and overcoming fears. There's a power in naming, especially naming sexual acts and BDSM activities. Owning different sets of names we use in role play and in naming ourselves. For example, think about the empowerment we achieve when a dom calls her submissive a dirty slut. Related to the power of naming is the power of reclaiming. In our modern society, we often get lost in the masses. We become invisible. We become a number. Through reclaiming our right to role play and take on new names for ourselves, we become thriving players, rich with intense experiences. We get in touch with our bodies, our nature, and our full identity. Through the process, we become fully alive. Reclaiming is a process of truly owning our identity. One example would be when a gay male refers to himself as a sissy, a faggot, or a fairy. By owning the derogatory words that others use to dehumanize us, we become empowered, and the words lose much of their power to hurt and harm. And it helps create a whole new identity for ourselves. A couple of years ago, I wrote a ritual for Samhain for the radical fairies and for a couple of pagan organizations. The ritual is called the Pathway of Psychosexual Darkness, and it touches on many of the myths, taboos, and social conditioning forces that affect many of us in our culture. This provides a good starting place for breaking taboos. The pathway of psychosexual darkness is a starting place to break any taboos that are influencing your life negatively. There are many taboos that hold us back from living a full sexual expressive life. While the ritual addresses many modern-day taboos and archetypes, it by no means covers them all. You may discover a different set of archetypes and or taboos 
during your journey. If so, address them when you reach the realm of transfiguration, which is at the end of the ritual. I've included some materials on my website to accompany this podcast. I've included identifying taboo evaluation and also the pathway of psychosexual darkness and breaking taboo. Feel free to download all these documents from my website at ravenslayerleather.com. The pathway of psychosexual darkness is a path that brings the seeker to face some modern-day myths, taboos, and social conditioning. On this pathway, you will discover powerful modern-day archetypal psychosexual energies that are dark in nature. Along with these forces, you will learn about transformation. Welcome, seeker, to the pathway of psychosexual darkness. Your journey is about to begin. Take a few deep breaths, center and ground, for there is much upon this path that you will encounter. Along the way, you will meet some of the dark psychosexual archetypes that lurk in our modern culture. From living in a culture that has a deep basis in Christian moral influences that have influenced laws, social conditioning, and cultural sexual mores, I present here on this path an alternative approach, which has a basis in ancient pagan culture and radical fairy culture. This path presents a radical approach to sexuality. It goes beyond a sex-positive approach. This path is about a radical sexual liberation movement, which has the goal of bringing freedom of sexual expression to each person who walks the path. To prepare yourself, I ask that you start out on the path with a desire and a commitment to challenge yourself. Often we choose to take the easier path, but at this time, I ask you to make a conscious choice to take on a challenge. You will be presented with modern psychosexual archetypes that block healthy sexual expression. Search within your heart and choose the energy that will present the opportunity for growth and self-development. The archetype of greatest challenge for you is also the energy that will bring the greatest change. Along the path, you will find tools and information that will assist you on your journey. At the end of the path, you will be able and ready to enter the realm of transfiguration. There you will be presented with developing a specific quest for yourself. It will be your choice to take on the quest or set it aside. Remember, there is a power in naming. There is a power in knowledge. Along this path, many kinds of knowledge are presented. One type is intellectual knowledge that comes from outside oneself. 
I've have researched ancient civilizations and have built in components of carnal knowledge from the ancients. Another type of knowledge is more difficult to obtain. It is experiential knowledge. It has a deeper impact and affects us at a heart level as well as a mind level. When we were virgins, we could read books about lovemaking and study all there was to know about the subject. But it is only when we experience the act of lovemaking that we truly have knowledge of what intercourse is at a heart level. Another type of knowledge is social awareness and social conditioning. Some of this type of knowledge is nonverbal and unwritten, yet it can have a powerful influence on what we believe. Throughout this ritual, I will provide some information of a historical perspective. We currently live in a predominantly sex-negative culture, which is largely based on Christian morality. In ancient days, this influence was obviously not present. There are many ancient cultures that were based on a matriarchal structure where human sexuality was more open and free. Even the requirement to wear clothes was not present in many ancient societies. People were more in touch not only with their own bodies, but with other people's bodies too. In our culture, though we see many images of other people's bodies through advertising, film, and other media sources, those body-beautiful images have been airbrushed and made more perfect than any body could be in reality. Thus, we have unrealistic and often unattainable ideas of beauty that have little basis in truth. The ancients were also in touch with a sexuality that was free of modern religious morality. This is not to say that the ancients were free of negative social conditioning and social awareness. It was a different set of moral structures, some of which was healthy and some was unhealthy. But the healthy aspects of their sexuality can provide us with alternatives to the aspects of our modern morality that you may find oppressive. As you take this path, ask that you keep in mind that this path is designed to help you make informed choices about your psychosexual life. It is not designed to make you change anything unless you want to, nor for me to push you into one direction or another. As much as possible, I've designed this path to help all seekers make informed decisions about their own psychosexual growth and development. It is completely in your power to choose what you want to change and what you want to take from this path to incorporate into your life. Take what works for you and leave the rest behind. I ask that each seeker make this part of the journey in solitude. This part of the journey is about searching within and reflecting on your own inner self. Search within your heart for what rings true for you. 
Some of what you encounter may not apply to you in any way. Some things will have impact. We each have different skills, abilities, and strengths. We also each have different fears, problems, and difficulties. We each have our own set of obstacles to overcome. I strongly recommend that each seeker walk this path skyclad or naked. Part of this ritual is to learn at an experiential level. Even if you feel uncomfortable being naked, take the challenge and learn what it feels like to walk naked upon this path. This is a sacred space, and this is a safe space. And if you go to my website, ravenslayerleather.com forward slash sex, you can download the pathway of psychosexual darkness and print the whole ritual out and make your own pathway to walk. To complete the ritual, print a copy of this document. Take each archetype and lay it out forming a pathway. The pathway can be through private, secluded woods or through your home. Then follow the path, reading each archetype contemplating its power in your life, and read the transfiguration tools for that archetype. Take time to open yourself to the words and the transformation. Pay attention to the feelings that each archetype evokes within you. Some will have more power than others. At the end of the path, develop a quest for yourself to overcome a taboo and or an area of sexual inhibition, utilizing the transformation tools in your life experience. Welcome again. May you discover, learn, develop, and grow as you take this journey. Allow the inner child to be part of this adventure. In a moment, I will go through each archetype and the associated transformation tools. Before I begin, I would like to take a break. So far, I've covered breaking taboos, how taboos can influence our lives in negative ways and hold us back sexually. And I've covered some of the ways that can be helpful in breaking these taboos. In a few moments, I'm going to take you on the pathway of psychosexual darkness. And I will be speaking out both the archetype and the transformation tool associated with that archetype. I would like to invite those that enjoy this show to become a patron of Adult Bedtime Stories. To do so, sign up. There is a link on my website. To become a patron, go to ravenslayerleather.com and on the homepage, you will find the link to Patreon to sign up and support the show. Before I take you on this pathway, I would like to invite you to call upon whatever deities or energy that you would like to have go with you on this pathway. Feel free to cast a circle by casting a circle 
you call upon the east, which is represented by air. Call upon the south, which is represented by fire. Call upon the west, which is represented by water. And call upon the north, which is represented by earth. Recall the elements and cast our circle. And then call upon the deity or energy that you want to accompany you on this pathway. Take a few deep breaths. Breathe in deeply, center and ground, and prepare yourself for this pathway. And so I shall start. And I'll start with the archetype of shame and guilt. I am the energy that brings feelings of shame and guilt that is centered on sexual behaviors. I will tell you what you should be, not what you are. I tell you how bad you are for being a sexual creature and having sexual desires. I fill you with loathing and feelings of being a disgusting person. I laugh when you make a sexual advance towards another and are rejected. <laughs> I get strong after you reach orgasm, but I'm often silent till that moment. I sometimes lurk around when you masturbate, telling you how selfish it is to pleasure yourself. I feed on your self-esteem and self-worth. The transformation tools for shame and guilt. Shame and guilt are learned social conditioning. It is a matter of focus. Self-acceptance and self-love is the flip side of shame and guilt. Education is one of the keys to understanding that sexual stimulation is a gift of the goddess and that people have been enjoying sex and even celebrating their sexuality since the beginning of human life on this world. Know at this moment that sexual ecstasy is a state of mind that reflects the goddess's state of being. The archetype of defilement. I am the energy that leads you to believe that once you partake in a particular sexual act, you are permanently defiled and stained. You become unclean, and your body is polluted. I take many different forms. I play on your values of what sexual acts are wrong and bad. I create self-abuse, giving you the feeling that you've committed an unforgivable act. I often invite shame and guilt to play with me as we torture your spirit, diminishing you into a filthy creature that is unworthy of joy. The transformation tools for defilement. We are all born without knowledge. In all areas of life, to learn is to make mistakes. We grow by trial and error. Sex is an art that we learn by doing. Until we try a sexual act, 
We don't know if it's something that we enjoy or if it turns us off. We may have preconceptions of what turns us on and what turns us off, but these are riddled with social conditioning. Until we try a new sex act, we don't know for sure if it works for us or not. All acts of love are of the goddess. She gives her blessing when we engage in sexual acts of love. The archetype of inhibition. I am the energy that freezes you up when you want to enjoy yourself in the presence of others. I can bring extreme self-conscious mind talk that demeans you. I often bring forth visions of the worst-case scenario of what could happen if you partake in an activity. I give feelings that your body is not adequate. Often genital size and shape or breast size and shape is the illusion I use to convince you of being inadequate. I use many means to convince you of being unworthy. Comparing you to others is one of my favorite means. With little or no exposure to realistic nudity, it's easy to maintain the illusion that your body is worthless and not adequate. My main weapon is the perception of fear of rejection and fear of humiliation, not actual rejection and humiliation, though. I know that part of you wants to play, but I feed the part that wants to stay hidden, secret, and safe. The Transformation Tools for Inhibition Self-confidence is the flip side of inhibition. Practice solo. Then as you gain proficiency, share with one or more others as you gain confidence in your sexual acts. Safety and trust are important. With practice in a safe environment, inhibition will melt away, but take small steps as you bring in a larger audience. The Archetype of Secret Desires I am the energy that creates the illusion that certain desires and fantasies are bad and must be kept secret. I am a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more secret you keep them, the more you feel alienated in your desires. I may even bring on the feeling that you are the only one alive who has ever had this desire or fantasy. Add fuel to the fire by creating the illusion that these feelings are so wicked, no one must know. I bring in guilt and shame with the inference that you are wicked and bad just for having such desires, and no one else could even conceive of a desire that is so horrible and wicked. Transformation Tools for Secret Desires Honesty and truth bring about the end of secret desires. Human emotions are neither good nor bad. It is how we act on the emotion and how we channel the energy of the emotion that brings about good or bad behaviors. 
within a safe and appropriate environment, sexual behaviors can be explored safely, sanely, and with consent. There are some sexual behaviors that need to be explored in the context of role play under the parameters of negotiation with all who are involved. The Archetype of Loneliness I am the energy of longing for a lover. I am the emptiness that fills the night. My illusion fills you with an unrequited urgency to find someone who can be your lover, yet at the same time pointing out why each candidate for that position will not be adequate and that you are not adequate to be their partner. I remind you of your biological clock ticking away any chance for happiness. I point out others who are in blissful relationships, illustrating what you are missing out on. I am the heat that burns an unfulfilled passion. The Transformation Tools for Loneliness First, realize that all relationships take work and communication. No lover experiences bliss in a relationship at every moment of every day. Before you can love another, you must be able to love yourself first. Make love to yourself. Start dating with the attitude of getting to know another human being, not as a quest to find a lifelong partner. Focus is important. As long as you focus on your emptiness, people pick up on that energy. Change your focus to making friends who have the potential of becoming a lover instead of searching for a lover. The Archetype of Rejection I am the energy that translates no into the feeling of being flawed and unworthy. I step in when you approach another requesting love and are turned down, bringing feelings of incompetence and defectiveness. I laugh at your courage that you brought up, calling it flimsy and weak. I leave feelings of inadequacy and feed on your self-esteem. I crush all hope for happiness with a single word, and that word being no. Transformation Tools for Rejection Living in a sex-negative society, often no is a communication that implies that one is unworthy for a possible chance of a sexual relationship. Often dating is perceived is a game with winners and losers. A sex-positive approach is to honor the person who asks for their courage in asking, and to respect the request as a compliment, which says that this person finds you attractive and beautiful enough to ask you out. For the one asking, make the request from your heart Include in the request some of the qualities that attracted you to this person. Then no matter if the answer is no or yes, there is no doubt that rejection has no voice here. But do take no if it occurs as the answer.
And no can often mean many different things. Always ask the person who said no to elaborate a little bit and explain what they mean by no. Communication is key. The archetype of unworthy sexual body and function. I am the energy that feeds on body image and sexual functioning abilities. I bring an overly critical eye to view the sexual body, erasing beauty and focusing on small details. I move in with self-doubt about your abilities as a lover, criticizing every detail of sensual and sexual acts. I bring feelings of not being good enough in bed to please your partner. I create the illusion that there is only one right way to make love, and you do not know it. I often use your perceptions of being too small or too big with your varying body parts to complete the illusion that you're no good as a lover and never will be. I am the self-fulfilling prophecy that brings tension and anxiety, each failure builds more tension and anxiety, which, when built up to a heightened level, will bring frigidity to women and impotency to males. I keep a host of body-beautiful images ready for comparison with your imperfect body. If you ever start to turn away from my illusions, the transformation tools for the unworthy sexual body and function. There is no right way or wrong way to make love. We are all neurologically wired differently. What turns one person on will turn another off. Often performance issues get in the way of lovemaking. Step back and change your goals to pleasuring your partner and yourself instead of unrealistic goals of being a super lover. Two-way verbal and nonverbal communication is the key for successful lovemaking, ensuring all parties are experiencing amazingly good pleasures. Human sexual expression is a learned art, but in a sex-negative society, we have no one to teach us erotic arts. We are expected to intuitively know how to be good at lovemaking. In the ancient sex temples, young and inexperienced women and men could learn from older experienced teachers by making love with the teacher, being instructed as they proceed. In modern society, we have to learn primarily by practice there are several good written resources on lovemaking, but these cannot replace actual one-on-one -on -one training. While it is true that some people have a gift in physical beauty, that is not the only definition of what makes one beautiful. There are spiritual components to beauty as well as charisma. I've never seen a person in the throes of orgasm display anything but beauty. We each have different aspects in our definitions 
of what is attractive and what is not. Beauty is different for everyone. Not all will find you attractive, but there are many who do. One of the gifts of the goddess is our sexual body. When we choose to view all sexual acts as sacred, fully honoring our lover and ourselves, then beauty becomes more than just a physical construct. The archetype of kinky sex. I am the energy that degrades anything but normal sex. I create the illusion that if you become creative in your lovemaking abilities, then you are kinky and perverted. The further you deviate from the norm, the more I step in and feed on you. The Transformation Tools for Kinky Sex What is normal? By definition, normal could be considered that which is average. Is average sex good? Sex and sensuality is an art. When one becomes creative in lovemaking, all involved reach deeper levels of ecstasy. Sex and passion are wild elements. When we start talking about normal sex, then we have done an injustice to the gift of the goddess. If the goddess had meant for human beings to have sex, she would have given us genitals and the gift of imagination to guide us in their usage. <laughs> the archetype of masochism. I am the energy of common reason that if you seek pain and love or give control to another in love, then your capacity for love is defective and wrong. I'm the illusion that you are sick and mentally ill for even having these desires, much less acting on them. I ask, who in their right mind would take something as beautiful as love and turn it into a painful experience just to get off? I give the impression that a submissive person who gives in to another is a sign of weakness, especially if the submissive is male. Of course, I highly endorse the notion that females are submissive by nature, but even still, they should not flaunt it by means of BDSM. The Transformation Tools for Masochism It is a myth that the masochist seeks out pain. When masochists stub their toe, it hurts and they don't go around stubbing their toes to get off sexually. What is sought after is a higher state of consciousness, which is brought about through intense erotic sensations. One can call it pain, but the internal feeling is very different from other types of pain. When this state occurs, one starts flying high on endorphins, and a connection and a bond occurs between the submissive and the dominant. Some erotic pain may be involved in BDSM scenes, but the objective is to reach and fly high in subspace. Also, erotic pain is different from other types of pain. It is highly charged. 
Being a submissive is about trusting another human being enough to exchange your personal power with them. It goes further than just saying, I trust you. It is a living experience of trust. It's about giving another person full control over your life and your sex, sometimes within the context of a scene, sometimes full-time. The bond it creates is very deep. In every religion known, there's always been a subset of practitioners who have utilized some form of BDSM for a deeper connection with the mysteries. The archetype of sadism. <laughs> I am the energy of the villain. If you get off by being cruel and inflicting pain, then you are a monster. I create the illusion that a sadist is obtaining sexual gratification by harming another human being. I give the illusion that you are out of control in your passion to inflict torture and pain. You become a cruel, uncaring person for your desires in controlling others and torturing them. Transformation Tools for the Sadist Dominance and sadists form a bond of compassion and love with their submissives. They take time to learn their arts of torture to ensure safety and care for the submissive. The dominant seems to take charge of the scene, but this is in part an illusion. The submissive always has the ultimate control of the scene by use of safe words and safe signals. The dominant's role is to produce sensations, which will bring the submissive to a higher state of consciousness. There is never intent to harm, but rather to bring forth ecstasy. Sex can be a powerful instrument in bringing forth the headspace of flying. Sadists who know their art can ride along in the submissive's headspace. The Archetype of Sexual Performance Anxiety I am the energy that defines sex as being able to have at one's command erect genitals that are fully self-lubricated and juicy and they will produce an orgasm whenever desired within a sexual act. I reduce you to a fuck machine that is fully in control of every aspect of human sexuality. When you fail to live up to my standards, I become a self-fulfilling prophecy that further blocks performance. As you become further ensnared, I reduce all pleasure and ecstasy and avert focus to your inabilities. When I'm fully empowered, you give up on sex altogether with feelings of loss and avoidance. The Transformation Tools for Sexual Performance Anxiety Sex is about connecting with another human being or oneself and sharing pleasure with one another or yourself. One can feel pleasure and ecstasy with or without erectile tissue becoming erect. One can use lubricating gels to prevent abrasions. One can use toys for pleasure, as well as hands to touch erotically. 
in our culture, we are taught to be goal-oriented. In sex, it is even driven further. The orgasm is seen as the goal. What else are we doing this for? People are acculturated that sex can only take place when a man has an erect penis and that impotence blocks sexual expression. There are many ways to express sexually that do not require hard-on or vaginal lubrication and can be very fulfilling. Focus on intimacy, caressing, and lovemaking. The whole body consists of erogenous zones that bring about erotic pleasures. Focus on pleasuring one another instead of focusing on performance and goals. Let what happens happen. Anxiety can have a high impact on erections, erotic pleasure, and on orgasms. When you can change the focus in sex from performance to erotic pleasure and intimacy, then stress and anxiety will subside. As you center on the act of love, the anxiety will leave and ecstasy will return, perhaps with even better orgasms. The Archetype of Exhibitionism and Foyerism I am the energy that keeps sex behind closed doors and preferably in the dark. Sex is not an object of curiosity, but a private act. To watch others or to be watched by others reduces sex to a pornographic level, devaluating sex to an animalistic level. I maintain the illusion that sex has special mysteries and special mysterious qualities that will disperse if put on display. To put sex on stage is to cheapen it, and sex will lose its meaning for couples who are in love. I often work with inhibition and sexual performance anxiety to block a conscious choice to be an exhibitionist. I tell you that you are a sick peeping Tom if you get off from watching others. I tell you that you're a sick flasher if you get off to exhibitionism. Transformation Tools for Exhibitionism and Fourierism We are born with an amazing quality called curiosity. If we were not curious, we would not learn. The same holds true for sex. By watching others, we learn more about healthy sexuality and about realistic expectations as opposed to sexual myths. As an exhibitionist, I can choose to put on a raunchy sex show that is highly pornographic. I can also choose to put on a sex show full of artistic talent that is well choreographed. Both have their value. If love and sex were so fragile that a sex show would ruin it, then there would be little sex going on in our modern world. Just take pornography, for example. Flashers and peeping toms do their thing without the consent of those whom they involve. 
Lawyers and exhibitionists should obtain consent of all present before showtime. The Archetype of Prince Charming I am the energy that convinces you that there is one and only one suitable person that can be your true love, and that if you wait until the right person comes along, then you will be in bliss and live happily ever after. This Prince Charming will make everything in your life amazing. When this true love occurs, it is a bond that's supposed to last forever. I feed on your loneliness while you wait for your true love. I prey upon you when you think you have found the one but the relationship does not work according to expectation. Blame is my ally, for it is easy to blame the partner when they cannot live up to the role of the perfect lover. And once you have lost, then true love can never be yours again, for you have not saved yourself as a virgin. Some people attempt to get around this clause by practicing serial monogamy searching for one true lover after another. Transformation Tools for the Prince Charming Archetype True love occurs whenever you make love with another person, or it can occur. Some people mistake romantic love, the feeling of falling in love, with true love. They are different entities. Romantic love did not always exist. In fact, it is relatively new to the scene. It started as a game in Queen Elizabeth's court. That is where we get the words courtship and courting, as well as a lot of other terms used in connection with dating. There were actual manuals written with rules for proper conduct. It was a game for bored nobles who had to marry for political reasons and had poor sexual relationships with their spouses. In this myth, it's assumed that your love life is predestined and one person was created as a match for you. The expression, a match made in heaven, contributes to this myth. We've all been attracted to more than one person in our lives. We don't have to act on it, but there are many who could be candidates for a good, long-lasting lover relationship. All relationships take work. Communication plays an important role in determining a healthy, long-term relationship. Happiness comes from within us. It can never come from another person, no matter how beautiful and wonderful they are, for they cannot magically fix us and take care of our every need. A relationship does not just happen. It takes each person in the relationship working together to make it work in the long run. This myth also implies that monogamy is the only acceptable form of a sexual relationship. The Archetype of Monogamy I am the energy of virgin meets virgin and commenced to a lifelong sexual partnership before consummation of love. 
I set the rules in such a way as to make it almost impossible to achieve. It goes like this. Boy meets girl. They fall in love without having sex. They make a commitment to share their lives and economic resources together and raise a family. And still the illusion that this is the only legitimate form of a sexual relationship. I offer a chance to have 2.5 kids, a white picket fence around the house, and happiness ever after. With monogamy as the only legitimate form of human sexual relationship, I set the structure for cheating to occur. Included in this, I build in secrecy and deception. Transformation Tools for Monogamy In today's world, true monogamy seldom occurs. Under the definition of monogamy, one virgin male and one virgin female decide to get married and form a relationship where they are sexually exclusive, only having sex with each other. What is more common is serial monogamy. In serial monogamy, one does not need to be a virgin. Although the pact is often made to be exclusive sexually only with each other for the rest of their lives, it seldom works out that way. Some do not make the lifelong pact, but rather choose to be monogamous for the duration of the relationship. You might wonder, how could you make a lifelong commitment based on sexual compatibility before you even tell if you're sexually compatible with your partner-to-be? The other part of this myth is that this type of relationship will fit for every human being and that monogamy is the only legitimate relationship style. We each have different needs, and we are all unique in our makeup. We have different sex drives and different sexual needs. One size does not fit all. Several other types of relationship models have been working well for many people all over the world. These include but are not limited to the following. Polyfidelity, polyamory, casual sex relationships. You can call them either fuck buddies or friends with benefits. And anonymous sex relationships. Monogamy can be and often is a valid option, but it is not the only option and it does not work for everyone. When monogamy is the only legitimate option, then when people feel a need to form a second sexual loving relationship, their only options are to lie, sneak around, and cheat on their partner. By having different legitimate relationship options, no one needs to be deceptive. It may still occur, but at a lower rate, and for reasons other than having only one option in relationship styles. The Archetype of Sexual Orientation I am the energy that classifies human sexuality and puts it into boxes, giving the illusion that sex is orderly. I consist of asexuality, 
bisexuality, homosexuality, and heterosexuality. I build walls to contain. I add confusion, and I oversimplify human sexuality. I set a false sense of identity and limit human choice. Transformation Tools for Sexual Orientation Human sexuality is far more complex than the current constructs of sexual orientation allow. Furthermore, the definitions of sexual orientation lead to overly simplistic means for explaining sexual energy. Many scientists attempt to look for the causes of the different sexual orientations. Thus, we get the nature versus nurture arguments. The sexual orientation model assumes that all sexuality is composed only of physical form and psychological conditioning. It does not allow for a spiritual component, nor does it allow for the diversity of nature. What is the force that we find in sexual attraction? What is it that makes one person out of a hundred stand out for us? What is it in this force that ties up our tongues, leaving us with mutterings instead of human speech? What is the force that makes our knees wobbly when that one out of a hundred person we feel an attraction for walks into our presence? This force cannot be explained within the scope of sexual orientation. It is so much more than this. It is an insult to human sexuality to reduce sexual attraction to body parts. There are a lot there is a lot more going on than this. Attraction is partly spiritual in nature. It also has physical components, but these are overridden by the spiritual components. Seeing gender and sexual orientation as spectrums instead of compartments mentalized boxes cuts across inequality. We see people for who they are, not what they represent. We can be attracted to a person without the stigmatization of heterophobia, biphobia, and homophobia. We can become truly creative in lovemaking, truly loving the person or people we are attracted to without excluding someone because of what is between their legs. This gets into a higher form of attraction, the attraction that comes from the spirit, not just the body. In ancient times, this situation was more the norm. The words homosexual and heterosexual were a little bit more than a hundred years old. The ancients did not have a classification system for sexual orientation, even the concept of homosexual sex acts did not really exist. Instead, the focus was on the mysteries of human sexuality and human sexual expression. Do we not miss out when we box ourselves in with overly simplistic classification systems? The Archetype of Gender Dualism I am the energy that gives the illusion that there are only females and males. With this notion, I further add confusion 
by separating the male and the female into distinctively different types of human beings, which are alien to one another. In other words, men are from Mars, women are from Venus? Yeah, right. I add confusion by giving certain qualities to one gender, empowering the male gender, and then giving opposing qualities to the female gender, and diminishing their power through definitions. Once I've completed these tasks, I lead credence to the notion that a male will be attracted to a female, and vice versa, and these will be the building blocks for human sexual relationships. Transformational Tools for Gender Dualism Gender is much more complex. Just the fact that hermaphrodites are born into the world throws the gender dualist perspective out the window. What does it mean to be a male? What does it mean to be a female? When an infant is first conceived, we all have identical gender tissue. We all start out as female. Then a complex chain of events with very specific timing elements occurs to differentiate us into our gender. If some or all the differentiation elements fail to occur or occur at the wrong time, we revert to female. True gender is more of a spectrum. We see that in effeminate boys and masculine girls. We see it in hermaphrodites. We see it in transsexuals. In modern society, hermaphrodites, or intersex, infants, are routinely eradicated from existence by means of sexual reassignment surgery. It's estimated that one of 300 babies born has some type of intersex condition. Close to one out of 500 births requires some medical form of intervention to maintain the illusion that there are only females and males. Females and males have more in common than we are led to believe. Social conditioning is a powerful influence on our personal belief systems. It is interesting that a multi-billion dollar industry kicks in to artificially accentuate the differences that do occur as well as strict social conditioning for males and a different set of strict social conditioning for females. By using the metaphor of color combinations, it becomes easier to understand sex and gender as it occurs in nature. If yellow represents female and we use red to represent male, here is what happens. Yellow, a true female. Add just a little red, light orange, bitch female. Add a little more red, orange, a hermaphrodite. Add a little more red, red orange, a feminine male. Add a little more red, deep red orange, male. Notice that we never get to pure red. There is always yellow present. What happens in early fetal development is that we all start female and hormones, chromosomes, and many other elements become involved 
in differentiating males from the female building blocks. If timing is off, chromosome patterns fall outside the XX or XY pattern, cells are not receptive, or certain elements are not present, then full differentiation does not occur or it only partially occurs. The truth is that we are each a unique gender. I know of a sexologist who has classified 17 distinct sexes in human beings, but even these have fuzzy boundaries. The Archetype of the Slut and Whore I am the energy that keeps women's sexuality repressed. I speak when a woman actively pursues sex with others. I remind her of her place and say that she will be perceived as a whore as she continues in her libidinous behavior. I am the energy that separates the sexes and brings inequality between women and men. I further hang the dangers of unwanted pregnancy over women's heads, even though this danger has been diminished with the use of birth control methods. Transformation Tools for the Slut and Whore Archetype In many ancient societies, wealth passed from mother to daughter, and the tribe helped raise each child that was born. There is no concept of whore or slut, as this held no meaning in ancient, many ancient societies. No one paid for any type of sexual services. In many of these societies, there were sex temples where people could go and learn about and experience sex. Sex was a sacred act and held no negative connotations. Women and men who served as priestesses and priests in the sex temples were honored. Patrons of the sex temples would bring offerings to the temple, which were shared by all temple workers. Another aspect of the whore transformation tool is to realize that just because a woman pursues sex and is libidinous, doesn't mean that she's accepting money for her services. She may just enjoy sex with the boy of her choice. Who is it that says that only men can be the pursuers? Women can pursue the men. And doesn't that turn things around? The archetype of sexually transmitted disease. I am the energy that brings fear of contracting a sexually transmitted disease to all people who want to have sex, even those who practice monogamy are not immune, due to the fact that many who practice monogamy do in fact cheat. I further add that to the fear with the STDs that are treatable but incurable. Along with that, I add a stigmatization to contracting an STD. This helps block open and honest communications. Who wants to talk about STDs in the heat of the moment? I can squelch sexual desire 
just by the mention of an STD. STD Transformational Tools While there are incurable STDs, practicing safer sex can lower the risk. There are some safer sex practices that can eliminate the risk altogether. Each of us must decide what level of risk is acceptable and what level of risk is not. This decision should be made with a level head, not right before engaging in sex. It's important to communicate personal safer sex guidelines with your partner before engaging in sex. Here's a list of safer sex practices listed in order from no risk to high risk. Verbal sex. Often this is called phone sex, but it can be done in person. Most of the focus is on sex talk. Self-masturbation is permitted. Participants allow only self-direct physical stimulation. Participants can watch each other, but touching one another is not allowed. This is 100% safe sex. Group masturbation. Self-masturbation is permitted. Participants only allow only self-directed physical stimulation. Participants can watch each other, but touching one another is not allowed. This, too, is 100% safe. Toy play. Use of condoms on all insertable toys. Sanitize all toys before and after use on each individual. This, too, is 100% safe. Group mutual masturbation. With the use of sanitized gloves for each physical contact with each person, it's not 100% safe, but pretty close. Oral sex with the use of sanitized barriers, condoms, non-microwavable plastic wrap for each physical contact with each person. Pretty safe. Probably about 100%, unless the condom or barrier tears. So it's not 100% safe, but close. Group mutual masturbation without the use of sanitized gloves. Slightly risky, but still in the safe sex arena. Penetrative sex with the use of sanitized barriers. Condoms, non-microwavable plastic wrap for each physical contact with each person will usually prevent the transmission of most STDs, but there is some risk of contracting skin-to-skin transmission STDs like herpes and warts. Unprotected oral sex without swallowing bodily fluids has a higher risk factor, but it's still safer than when one swallows bodily fluids. Unprotected vaginal intercourse, high risk. Unprotected anal intercourse, high risk. As with many activities that we participate in the modern world, there are risks. We can educate ourselves, take safety precautions, and communicate openly to help reduce risk factors. It's important to keep all this in perspective. It is interesting that we don't 
usually think twice when we get into a car, but there is a risk of permanent injury and even death from auto accidents. Like practicing safe driving habits to reduce the fear of driving, we can reduce the fear factor in sex by taking safety precautions in sexual practices and sexual behaviors to lower the risk of contracting an STD. This won't necessarily guarantee that we won't contract an STD, but we can lower the risk. Like driving a car, we can practice safe driving habits, but that will not guarantee that we won't be injured or killed in an auto accident. Open communications about safer sex guidelines and about STDs help to destigmatize STDs. The Archetype of Taboo I am the energy of psychosexual control. When I step in, a sexual and or sensual act is prohibited with a force so strong the act's prohibition is rarely questioned or discussed. I take on many forms, some of which include oral sex, anal sex, BDSM activities, homosexual acts, cross-dressing, gender bending, and or many others. To break a taboo brings stigmatization and may be grounds for being ostracized from one's peers. I make one uncomfortable if the subject is brought up as a topic for discussion. I restrict people from exploring their sexuality fully. I work on both a conscious and a subconscious level to block healthy sexual expression and sexual experience. Transformation Tools for the Archetype of Taboo Education is one of the keys to overcoming a taboo. By learning factual information, one can become desensitized to the social conditioning of taboos. Throughout the ages, human beings have been practicing all kinds of sexual acts. Roman and Greek culture were certainly much more open on a sexual level than we are today. Although we are starting to improve on a societal level when it comes to sex. Another step to breaking unhealthy sexual taboos is to explore and examine your entire body. It helps to use a hand mirror. As you explore, caress yourself in different areas, learn how your body responds with each area caressed. Do you tense up? Do you enjoy the sensations? Allow your body to respond. In our society, we are often told the genitals and the anus are dirty. It is where the body eliminates bodily waste. Bodily waste is not dirty, though. In a healthy person, urine is sterile and void of germs when it leaves the body. Unless one has a urinary tract infection, urine is actually clean. If one washes with warm, soapy water ahead of time, then oral sex with the use of barriers is not only safe, but clean as well. For anal sex, it is necessary to wash with warm, soapy water as the anus does contain bacteria, which is not healthy when it comes in contact with other moist membranes of the body. 
The bacteria are healthy and required for the digestive tract. Anal douching or enemas are practiced by many who are into anal sex. Anal taboo is especially strong in our culture. Get to know your anus and the wonderful sensations you can obtain by gently massaging the anal area. The anus is rich in nerve endings and can provide highly erotic pleasures. For men, the anus is the easiest way to access the prostate gland. When the prostate gland is stimulated, it enhances sexual feelings in the penis and can aid in fuller, richer orgasms. And this concludes our journey. On this journey, you have encountered many modern-day archetypes. Now that you stand at the realm of transfiguration, reflect on which archetype is holding you back from full development as a sexual human being. It may be one that we covered, or you may have imagined one that we didn't cover and recognized a taboo that is holding you back. If so, explore it. Find factual information. Give it a name. For taboos, they may contain a sense of foreboding and fear. It may bring a feeling of forbidden excitement may feel kinky and perverted. These archetypes will play on many of our emotions, yet all of them will hold us back from experience life, experiencing life to its fullest. Choose an archetype and read the transfiguration tool associated with that archetype. From this reading and contemplation, what can you take from this to set a quest for yourself? What can you incorporate it into your daily life from this to bring about change? What do you need to investigate further to learn more information about this archetype and its associated transfiguration tools? Set a time frame for this quest. Set a start time and date and give yourself a realistic time frame to complete your quest. The quest may involve seeking more information to learn about the facts behind the taboo or the archetype. The quest may involve playing out a role-playing scene. It may involve finding a few trusted friends or lovers or play partners to help in playing out a scene that will help you break the taboo. The quest should involve facing the archetype and any accompanying fear. Build in the transformation tools presented here or develop transformation tools that you feel will work in processing and breaking the taboo. Be creative in developing your quest and roleplay. Remember, this is the time to challenge yourself and grow. And with that, This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Relax, take some deep breaths, close the circle, dismiss the elements, and explore and 
challenge yourself. Realize the freedom that you will obtain as you break some of the taboos that hold you back sexually. And with that, have a good night and explore those nocturnal emissions. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.